everybody. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm here today with Jill Cassone, who is the founder for Success for School from the beauty of my home in the middle of coronavirus time. And I, as you all know, are taking this opportunity to speak with some of the most powerful people in our community who are thinking about kids. And Jill has a background in both regular and special education and in attention. And she uh, is philosophically, I just love the way she thinks about kids in general, which is honoring the way children think differently and empowering kids and their parents really to honor how unique their minds are. And so I have so many things I could talk about with her today because we were on the phone already for an hour going on and on. So Jill, thank you so much. I know. Thank you so much for being here. My hope for this um, short pot, what's going to be a podcast and a little hopefully vignette for my parents is just to give them some support around their own unique kids, trying to figure out a way to help them not lose their mind when they're trying to do homeschooling and understand what it's like as an educator um, to really, um, I don't know, feel more powerful in their own homes to sort of help guide their kids. Is that something you feel like you can help me with? Because I need it. (laughs) Sure, yeah. And I think that's like a challenge that every, you know, there's people find themselves homeschooling now and there um, there's like a comedian that did this whole little vignette about how he's so thankful that um, that for teachers. And it was like a little joke because he was like, I took my kids to the woods for a 23 minute field trip. And I realize now I so appreciate teachers who take my kids on eight hour field trips. What was I thinking? <laughs> and it was really funny, but I think, you know, parents while they're working and they have like, like little ones home, or even if they have a teenager home, you know, I think they have a whole new perspective about what a teacher does during the day, because they're finally realizing that their child doesn't have to, you know, be a captive audience to one person in the front of the room for a whole six hours, you know, Um, so much learning happens, whether the work is done independently or uh, guided through instruction. So really, sometimes, you know, you get these calls, and parents are like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, like, he's, only spending 10 minutes on his math or there's only this amount of writing and they're starting to like have a heart attack about some of those topics. And, you know, typically my message is, is that, you know, whatever behaviors you're seeing at home while your child is working, these are behaviors they probably already had, you know, they, they take time to master. And so that chemistry is just kind of spilling over into your house. Now you don't get to see it. You know, if you think about how um, home is like the mirror, just imagine, you know, um, the same brain skills that your kid uses when they write and they want to build temporal organization. Those are the same exact skills that kids use when they pack for a vacation. And while you're standing there trying to make sense of why your kid has no underwear in the suitcase, the teacher in the classroom is trying to make sense as to why the writing piece, you know, has three different topics tied into it. That doesn't mean your child's all of a sudden forgotten how to write, you know, because parents are freaking out. They're seeing that or they're believing that their kid you know, now that they're home, that they don't have any skills, you know, that's not true. It's just that kids learn differently and their brains don't really walk like a railroad track. You know, a kid's brain is like a spider web, you know, they might be all over the place and an onlooker, an adult who doesn't spend all day with them might view that as a little chaotic, you know, so and Jill, that's not necessarily let, true. Let me interrupt you and just ask, so how, when a parent is at home, 
like a lot of my parents want to know like what's a normal amount of time they're supposed to be on their electronic and then in their like what is the attention span not for the kids who are ADHD we're going to talk with someone a little bit about kids who have special attention needs in the classroom or to support parents around that but just the general learning when a parent sometimes with my own kid I'm just like thinking, are, are you done already? Like, did you finish it? How far did that go? Are you sure you haven't spent so much time on it? Uh, how much should our parents be expecting our kids to really be focused? Because in the classroom, there's other, there are more distractions in some way, but there's a person constantly attacking them or at least giving them a quiet space to learn. And so I think some of my parents are really having a hard time knowing what the right expectation is. Yeah, and I think that expectation is like the premise for like ownership. So like when they're in the classroom and the teacher is like that sage on the stage and she's giving all the directions and making sure that everybody's in their places, you can think about all of the lost time because every kid is times X amount of kids in the class. Well, now you're in your home and you don't need to be sage on the stage because now you can just be guide on the side because the teacher is unable to do that sometimes, you know, um, when you're home, instead of your child having to wait for the directions to be given, right now in our homes, while they're homeschooling, everything's written out. If you think about some of the things that go on in the classroom, teachers explaining situations or expectations of work, some of that is completely streamlined now. So when you think about a typical writing assignment, let's say for a ninth grader, if it's a 50 minute class, uh, the teacher might expect that about half the assignment would get completed. Well, now our kids have 50 minutes and there was no directions. There's no bell ringer. There's no warm up. So parents need to kind of lower their expectations a little bit and understand that kids are able to have much higher time on task when they actually go to start the assignment. So, you know, I too see a lot of parents like having worry about, well, you know, this assignment only took them 20 minutes, but when they're home and they're doing homework, it's, it's dragged out till 7 p.m. Well, it's dragged out because they're exhausted. You know, they're spending a lot of time. They use a lot of mental energy. And now they're in your house and they're taking that whole day and it's compressed in this little bit of time. So rather than us focus on the time, I, my suggestion to, to parents is to like focus on, to focus really on like what the child's supposed to take away from that activity. So if you know there's an assignment and the child's activity was to write an essay and they wrote an essay, then our job as parents, if we're, you know, we're going to stay out of that learning space is to let the kid complete that and then receive feedback and make changes and submit the work just like they would normally without us having some not parent. Right. Yeah, not the parent. In other words, like not for the parent to become the teacher, but that parent to be the guide on the side. So rather than like nagging and then feeling anxious and then starting to extrapolate all those thoughts into, oh my gosh, is my kid going to do a, a really great score on the SAT? Because now I see them only doing this one paragraph essay. Yeah. Instead, yeah. it's, you know, practicing just some quick coaching questions like, what was expected from this essay? You know, do you feel like you did your best work? And if you really get an honest answer, then let that go and let your kid move on. Because the big difference right now in homes is that kids get to own their learning right now. Yeah. And they're not waiting for directions. So that's really. Cool. 
That's really key. You see that in sports all the time too. You know, we were younger, you used to be able to play a sport and really own all the rules. And now in some of our um, organized sports, kids are still looking to their coach. Did I do it right? And, you know, I want to remind my families, you know, we just did a book club on um, how to raise an adult. This is the same concept we talked about when we talked about this book club. And if you haven't seen my book club, you need to get this book and watch the videos. But we talked about how we are really honoring our kids, honoring our kids when we stay away from their experience. And we're also letting their teachers know when we don't interrupt the learning kind of whole experience what they didn't get what they didn't yet understand you know there's so much of learning that teachers can't get feedback from when the parents are really too engaged the concrete question I want to ask just for a nugget that would be helpful too and you may not be able to easily answer this but does it depends I'm sure a lot on the age of the kid but um, do you feel like for any age in this new environment, parents should have a little bit of a schedule in terms of what their kids should be doing and then step back? Or should the kids do the schedule themselves if, the, if Wake County comes back in and the kids are really not getting a lot of very specific instruction on how to structure their day? How can we help parents do that? So I kind of break the category into two parts. If the kid is like fifth grade or younger, I highly recommend that parents break the day up in 30 minute increments and they alternate like work that's heavy concentration with like outside fresh air and like, you know, a real break. Um, and keep your promises. I tell parents, it's like, if you make a promise with a kid that when the timer goes off and it's 30 minutes, that they get to run outside, even if they're not done with the work that you set for them in the 30 minutes, that you keep your promise because it's kind of like you're, you're kind of like taking care of the goose so you can get that golden egg. You know, you want to care for the goose and you're going to get the egg. But if you worry so much on getting the golden egg out of the kid, this going to cause a lot of frustration because the day feels a little easier for them to manage when it's in chunks. But when the student is like in sixth grade, and if, if you have a kid that's even an immature sixth grader, I still say to do it. I basically recommend that parents have the kid wake up and eat breakfast. I kind of encourage them to get dressed so that like the brain turns on, like I'm going to do something new. Um, I think that's hard for all of us because some some of us are still in our PJs all day long. Um, but for I'm sixth graders, yeah, 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 for sure. But for sixth graders, I I tell parents like once they've eaten, I basically tell parents tell their kids, you can't do anything else until you bring me your schedule. So like make that kid sit down and make a to do list, and I ask them to like list everything first, just to dump everything on the paper, make a quick list. I want to get this done for math and this done for writing and this for English, et cetera. And then they get to make their own schedule. So you basically just give them a blank sheet that has dinner and lunch and a few other things that your family requires. And then the kid gets to fill in the rest. You're really accomplishing two major things. One, you get a schedule and you didn't have to micromanage it. So that's awesome. But the super big thing is think of the amazing executive skills you're getting your kid to practice every day you have them in your house you're getting them to build planning and prioritization. And that is a super hard skill just for kids' brains to build. And many of these schools don't have time to teach study skills. And that's not their fault, you know? So it, even if they teach the skill, it doesn't mean the kid has time to practice it. We can give them an agenda, but unless we're giving them real time yeah. to lay things out, they don't learn that skill. So now that we have them in our houses for a few minutes, we can do that. And I think that's super powerful because the younger kids... They're going to need structure, and if you keep the schedule the same, they'll get into a really clean routine. Um, I try to, you know, tell parents, if it took a really hard time for the kid to concentrate, and you give a break, and they don't seem ready, 
pick an alternate activity that's super fun. So let's say you have a kindergarten or a first grader and you're trying to work on sight words. Yeah. Go ahead and get math done, give a break outside. And when they come in, before they do reading, if you really think they're not ready, put sight words around the house and tell them to go find them and give them a pack and let them go find the matching word. Like little things that you can do just to give a little transition before something else that's like more concentration starts again. The older kids, you really get that motivation if you let them plan. I love, love, love that. And can you think, I don't want to put you on the spot as we end, but I just want, can you think of any other, because I think parents feel like a loss, that their kids are not getting this education that they were getting before, and a lot of pressure that they're not filling that void that was there. And I'm not saying that isn't true, because God knows our teachers are fantastic. But can you think in addition to those executive skills that you described of any other accidental gifts that this experience could be giving parents with their kids at home? Because I don't think that that's a really labor-intensive opportunity for parents like just make your kid make their own schedule and then accidentally teach them executive skills is like I love that so are there any ones that you can think of that might be an accidental gift that parents could hunker down on when they're really feeling stressed so you know when you think of like executive skills I kind of group them for parents in two categories like the thinking ones that take uh, more temporal organization to them and then the doing ones the doing ones would be things like, you know, emotional control, for instance. So I love to like teach kids flexibility by accident. So um, when you have them at home, you know, when we're teaching in the classroom, like, you know, um, I think teachers have this natural ability to, to put some constraints on activities that teach team building or communication and they, they sneak them in, you know, so parents can do that too at home. Flexibility is a really hard executive skill to get kids to practice because if they're rigid in their thinking, they don't want to be flexible. So they don't want to practice it. So things like, you know, I tell parents like make not novelty, your best strategy for teaching flexibility. So, you know, when your kid gets up in the morning, if it is not like a strategy in your home that you make your kids make your bed, do something novel and tell them, go pick a sibling in the house and make their bed. And you're teaching flexibility because when they get in that other kid's room, they have to deal with the landscape that is now someone else's personal space. And that helps kids grow. It helps that rubber band stretch a little bit more. Another little trick to that would be if a kid has a regular chore that you've always been working on, turn around and ask them to pick a chore that belongs to somebody else. And that whole presence of being able to accept something that's out of their control teaches them to stretch in that flexibility. And that's just a little nuance that parents can try. Um, Other things that you can teach are like, delayed gratification. So you wake up and you have a really little, little kid, like kindergarten, first, second, third grade-ish still. Um, Those kids really need to learn delayed gratification. Society doesn't give us a lot of opportunities anymore to practice as much. And so at home, that's a great one to practice because they can do things like, you know, start five days in a row where the kid has some open free time as soon as they get up in the morning. But then on the sixth day, say, okay, well, you can go and you can put on your My Little Pony show or play with this or do that as soon as you've completed this. So they can just make some tweaks in a schedule, even if they're working from home, Mm -hmm. that will really, really help because they're actually building the exact practice that the kid needs for behaviors that they're coming to professionals saying they need help with. And so they're putting in these little opportunities, you know, that they have control over right while they're home every day. I love that. And I think that's like really key. The, the, probably the last one I would think of would be, 
you know, um, I tell parents, parents all the time that I read a study about how Target did a focus group about, about their little red help button. And a whole group of people from 12 to 29 years old didn't even know the help button existed. And when they were asked about why didn't they press the help button and they actually told the people that they didn't know it existed when it was explained to them, they actually said, oh, I'd have to talk to a real person. And it's so funny because these types of skills of having to engage with another person, these are the skills that our kids need a lot of help with. We think, you know, oh, they have these etiquette skills in place. Well, we don't answer the phone anymore. So-and-so residents, we don't go to the door anymore. We've stopped, you know, when we get to a grocery store, when I was a kid, if you needed to go to the bathroom, my mom's like, go ask the clerk where it is. Our kids don't walk up to a person in a red vest and talk to them. So, you know, we have technology like Zoom or Facebook or Skype. I tell, you know, parents all the time, it's like, this is the time when you should make your kids talk to their relatives face-to-face and have real conversations and tell your relative to have questions ready so that your kid can practice what it's like to to have a ping pong type of conversation like you and I are having now. We think this is like so simple, but go ahead and sit a teen in front of another person and try to see how struggling it is for them to have empathy and to listen to what someone else says and then respond back. That is a critical executive skill that parents could be um, they can really be practicing right now. And if you're trapped in your home and, and we're isolated from people we love, especially at holiday time, what a great way to practice that skill and then be able to make grandma and grandpa feel like, wow, my teen grandchild that I hardly ever talked to, you know, I know so much more about them. So they asked about me, right? Because yeah. of our teens are sort of passive. I'm always saying to my child, I love how you talk to that grown up, but you didn't ask the grown up anything about themselves. Like a simple <laughs> conversation is, thank you for asking about school. How are you? You know, so Jill, you are like, this like gift in our community. I'm so grateful that everybody who hasn't had the chance to even hear you speak or put a name with a face or know about success for school has a chance to hear your wisdom. And I could talk to you for hours. I think we should try and do one more of these at some point if you're up for it. Yes, totally. Totally would be up for it. And I so appreciate the opportunity. Um, You are such a pillar in the community. And I really feel like, you know, parents have such a resource, especially being a pediatrician, that they're able to merge questions that are developmental with, you know, what's happening with my kid right now? You know, that's the number one thing I recommend parents all the time. It's like, you know, have you spoken to your pediatrician? You know, I really feel like that's, it's an untapped resource that a lot of families are busy running around gathering up a lot other peeing for their kid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, they really need to remember that the ringleader really be your kid's pediatrician. I really feel like that's super important. And I so appreciate the opportunity to do this with you. Thank you so much. I'm going to link Jill's um, information onto our um, podcast, which we have. There will be a link at the bottom that explains details about where she works and a little bit about her. You can check out her website. And also we will be posting this up on our um feed. And if you guys have any other questions or concerns or topics you're really interested in hearing about, I can't tell you how responsive all these um, people in our community have been to help our patients. So we'll come back on and do it again if you're up for it. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Bye, Jill. Stay safe. Bye-bye. You too.